1: Greetings and welcome to a Friday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is November sixth. Andy, how are we doing?
0: Brandon, it's uh, it's Victory Friday. Mitch's uh, MRI came back negative; no surgery needed on his right shoulder. Mitch, who? Trubisky.
1: I didn't even know there was an injury, an issue.
0: Yeah, he got injured like the one play he played last Sunday.
1: Oh, I didn't even see that. <laughs> I didn't even know that was an outstanding issue. Victory Friday. <laughs> MRI <laughs> results. <laughs> All right. There we go. Uh, so this is a little bit of a delayed Friday episode, but we're going back to our, our our pandemic quarantine days. We're doing a little spotlight. Oh, I think a lot of Masters themes. Certainly a lot of Masters, master's is the subject throughout. Um, we're going to do a spotlight on Frank Stranahan, otherwise known as... I saw him described in his obituary in the New York Times. as the greatest amateur between... Bobby Jones and Tiger Woods. Yeah, uh, has a number of nicknames. Interesting, a number of nicknames. Interesting history at the Masters, uh, which of course is bearing down on us next week. So we are sort of, I don't know, shirking the normal Friday routine. We're going to do a longer, a little bit of Masters content, spotlight content, and this is all brought to you, made possible by this extra research, these hours put in. Has made possible by Rucket Sports. Rucket, as you know, has been a sponsor, partner of the program for a while now. But now that they're giving away a couple things, they're sweetening the pot. You guys have come out and supported Rucket substantially over the past year. uh, But they now have a URL. It's Rucket.com slash Shotgun Start, where you can enter to win two SPDR portable driving ranges. I just looked this up. It's $270. Yeah. That's a substantial substantial potential windfall if you win that. Two SPDR, portable driving ranges, and you also receive a code for 20% off your next purchase. So that's rocket.com slash shotgun start. Uh, Rocket, of course, you should be familiar with their products. They know the value of a quality range se- session. And so that they offer a variety of hitting nuts. The SPDR one, which they're giving away, is sort of the, their top of the line, but there's all sorts of different makes and models and sizes that you can fit into whatever space you have, indoor, outdoor. Um so they offer a variety of those hitting nets, portable driving ranges, putting mats, chippers, um, and, and they're gonna start giving them away for master sweep. Yeah. For for
0: shotgun start listeners. Rucket.com slash shotgun start. And that's yeah, that contest runs still mid December. So December eleventh. Right. So you got but if you you wanna support the pod, go sign up for this. And uh, get a yeah. chance to win, and I—I'm not sure. You might. Everybody might get a code for 20% off your next purchase. I'm not sure about that, but I think that's right. Yeah. Yes, if you sign up, uh, even you when, get that.
1: If you don't win it, if you so they're sending two driving ranges, but if you don't get that, you got a code for 20% off your next purchase, and that contest ends December 11th, 2020.
0: Again, thanks you know to Rocket right around for being a uh, which isn't what's normally that? with the Masters, the holiday season. So. You get twenty percent right. off, you could save a lot of money on a gift for somebody. There you or go. Or a gift for That's yourself. Right. One of the two. <laughs> so thanks to
1: Rocket. They've been great partners really all year. That they've uh, been big shotgunners and supporters of the podcast, and thank you guys to supporting them as well. All right, let's get to it. Frank Stranahan, old spotlight. We'll be back Monday. A little Houston open recap. We're getting some nuggets out of Houston, this this you know, early coverage. But uh we'll we'll have not
0: a lot of stuff
1: has happened, but we got some interesting stuff. We could all kind of throw it in the bucket got for Monday. Some, got
0: some Sabatini news. Oh, yeah.
1: Some circumstances <laughs> surrounding his WD in Houston are amusing. But that'll all come Monday. Let's focus on Frank Stranahan. I, I think a fabulous sort of way to ease our ease ourselves into Masters Week where an individual, a thick boy who's put on a lot of muscle, uh, is – I think the main attraction at the start of the week there. Lots of there are some parallels. Uh, So let's get it going, Frank Stranahan. Let's give give us a rundown of who he is and what he did. The Toledo Strongman,
0: the Bad Boy of Golf, also known as Muscles.
1: Muscles. Arnold Palmer called him Muscles. That was his own. (laughs) I felt it seemed like personal nickname for him.
0: Yeah, Collier's article called him the golf's bad boy, the most egocentric monomaniacal character who have ever swung a niblick
1: ever swung a niblick quite a quite a characterization did you see what happened after colliers famous magazine so fa- described his him his father thusly? was
0: extraordinarily wealthy uh, he started yes. a spark plug company and his father in turn in response to that article pulled 300 grand of advertising with the magazine
1: <laughs> the dad frankie <laughs> frank senior did not like most egocentric, <laughs> monomaniacal character who ever swung a Niblick, and that cost that particular magazine, Collier's, which I, I know it predates my time. I'm not super familiar with Collier's he pulled 300 grand Frankie Frank senior It's interesting
0: so. that the uh the journalists weren't afraid to pull any punches with uh Frank's da- Frank's dad looming over the advertising budget but they were quite afraid to uh to you know cross cliff Roberts later in life That is interesting we'll <laughs> talk about there is some very there's some thumb
1: on the scale uh, parallels there too so coming later around the masters
0: So you know we we love true sportsmen, as uh, as evidenced by our story of Westy and, and Darren Clark, you know, p- pushing a, a contestant in the Dunhill Links into a locker, you know, and 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 calling him not a sportsman, um, you know, because of yep. a woman. But Frank Stranahan was a true American sportsman, and it, it yep. just, you know, he's obviously, as you alluded to. The greatest amateur golfer between Bobby Jones and uh, Tiger Woods. And that from the, those eras, unequivocally, the greatest amateur golfer in that time. You know, I guess Harvey Ward might have a um, claim, claim, but I don't think right. they would line up with Stranahan's accomplishments. After okay. his golf career, he was a bodybuilder. And, and, and a, like, a, a, you know, competition weightlifter. He won numerous yep. titles in that. And he also competed in a 102 marathons. This is ridiculous.
1: 102 <laughs> marathons. I mean, I knew the bodybuilding stuff, but I, I somehow the marathon stuff escaped my memory or knowledge. So,
0: I mean, this is after a golf career. So it's not like right. he started doing this at, at age 20. It was like, you know. Late in life.
1: Yes. yes. The Boston Marathon, New York Marathon, not like, you know, some ticky-tack marathons that you never heard of. Legit, I think, I guess they're all the same distance, but, you know, these are highly competitive marathons. He competed in all of them. So,
0: so let's uh, let's get down some of his accomplishments. So, you know, great okay. amateur. Uh, his His career is highlighted by his two British amateur wins, which were then considered major championships in 48 and 50. He played on three victorious Walker Cup teams. Uh, He won four Western AMs, won three North-South AMs, which, you know, those are the two of the pinnacle events in amateur golf. Won 70 amateur tournaments in total. He never won a USAM. That was the the thing that kind of bit him. Um, He lost in the semis of the 54AM to Arnie. And he, lo- and he turned pro the next day after that, so he did turn professional. Uh, and then he lost in the finals of the 50 amateur, um, which Fitches, was in yeah. Minneapolis. Uh, he finished runner-up in the 47 Masters, which we will get into uh, extensively. He finished uh, runner-up in the 47 Open Championship and also the 53 Open Championship as an amateur, Um, He is, he, along with Arnold Palmer, are, you know, most um, kind of, they're celebrated for continuing the popularity of the Open Championship when a lot of players from America did not cross over because of money. Obviously, Frank Stranahan, he didn't have uh, issues with money; his father bankrolled yeah. his career, um, yeah. which became a contentious point among his peers that were professional golfers. Uh, but along the way, I, I saw that described honestly, the, like Stranahan. I think it might have been
1: even just a straight Wikipedia. I, I think they like, described it as his greatest personal feat is that he helped save the Open Championship. I know Palmer gets a lot of that, um, a lot of that glory or, or um, credit. But it does sound like Stranahan played a major role. Of course, money was not an issue in crossing over to play the Open. It seemed like he had uh, sort of a, a mixed career over in Britain, right? There was <laughs> some controversy. They also, also loved him and all that. But but I did like just so we note like him crossing the pond and playing the Open along with Arnold Palmer, who we're pretty well aware of his impact on, on continuing, you know, the Open Championships sort of. Standing certainly for the American audience, Stranahan was also a significant part of that.
0: So, he also served in World War II, he was a pilot, um, pilot yeah. in yeah. World War II. Um, so, the, it, coming out of the World War, he you know, that's when he kind of became a big golfer. One of he won professional events as an amateur, so he won the 45 Durham Open. He beat Ben Hogan by a shot while being paired with him, so that was obviously like a Huge win because you know, Hogan and you know, beating Hogan and mm-hmm. the fi- with him in the final group is you know, crazy. Uh, another one he won was the Casey Invitational, Kansas City Invitational, the Fort Worth Invitational, which uh, he beat Hogan and Byron is- Nelson on the course they grew up caddy. On?
1: I think that's the De- Dean and Deluca Invitational. Oh, I believe is what my my fault. The Charles Schwab Challenge. No, I'm kidding. The
0: char- no, I, again, he won the 1945 <laughs> Charles. Sh- uh, not 45. I think I, I forgot what year it was. The 48, it was 46, 46, 46, Charles Schwab Challenge. Formerly the
1: Dean
0: and Challenge. Deluca. Formally, okay. De- De- De 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 Luca, you know, in 44, well, though
1: it was the Dean <laughs> and Deluca theme. Staring down Hogan staring down Nelson as an amateur beating Hogan in the final group as a, pro, you know, when he's an amateur, they're pros. Uh, kind of
0: and then he won the Miami open also as an am, uh, he turned pro in 54. He won on the PGA tour. He won the 58 LA open and the 55 Eastern open, the LA open being his biggest professional win, uh, professional. So, it, you know, in, he played in 51 majors in his career if you count the USAM and the British AM as they were considered them majors. Mm-hmm. He had 10 top 10s, two wins and four runner-ups. And obviously with top 10s that with two of those tournaments being match plays, that's when he got to the quarterfinals, final 8 or better and uh he had a bunch of, you know, top 16s uh which would be getting to the round of 16. I don't know what final that would be what is it? an eighth final what what would you call you know the sweet 16 yeah you know, is it a quarterfinal S- yeah. semi-final what's, what's before yeah. a quarter i don't one know one eighth Round final 16 right one eighth yeah, final I don't
1: know. <laughs> yeah i guess that yes um he also won the tam o'shanter did you see that the all american yeah six consecutive years from 48 to 53 which wasn't some like podunk event i mean there's the point is the british amateurs are the two kind of crown he, he never won the us national amateur but there's a lot of four westerns north and south this tamo chant like when amateur golf you know maybe it wasn't at its absolute peak but it was it was very there's substantial competition
0: mm-hmm. so we're not talking about vj Singh's uh, fiji wins here <laughs> no no um no. so Obviously, son, you know, dad started a spark plug company uh, and he started playing golf at Inverness Club. Like
1: spark plugs when like automobiles, the boom, like we're just cut, Yeah. More or less like being on the front end of that. Like it wasn't just, you know, Tom Callahan's brake pads out in Toledo, like it, it was like a national national industry. He was like first spark, spark, spark clubs, so spark plugs, I should say, as automobiles became a big thing I guess so
0: extraordinarily so. wealthy uh, like wealthy, the yeah. premier Toledo company when Toledo was a massive yeah. American manufacturing town. so you know uh he, he grows up at Inverness um, yep. gets into the yep. game, and Byron Nelson is the pro there. Club Pro, yeah,
1: Club Pro at Inverness. So, he's, go ahead, you go. So, there's a pretty fun story. You know, he was, I guess, like his dad was like, you need to take Nelson <laughs> lessons from Nelson. He's like, oh, he's not. He he was very reluctant. He was recalcitrant. Like he he felt like Nelson couldn't. You know, I mean, he's 17. He's young. He's petulant. He. You know, that was sort of a theme throughout his career, a little mix of petulance to the point where even like Bobby Jones is writing his dad a letter when Frankie Jr. is like in his 30s. Uh, it's a little interesting. But um, Nelson, he, he was like, oh, what's Nelson? He wouldn't take any of his lessons. And Nelson was like, or his tips. He just, like, he, I, he just would make
0: Nelson watch him hit golf balls.
1: And then... <laughs> Yeah, and Nelson would try to say something, and he just wouldn't ad- ad- adopt it or, or listen. Um, so it's pretty interesting. There there was a story. This is from Kurt Sampson's master's book. We, we rely on Kurt Sampson's master's book here a lot. David mm-hmm. Owen had a master's book. There's a John Garrity profile. There's a, a mix of sources. Herbert Warren but, Wind
0: wrote about Stranhan turning pro, so we'll get into some of that.
1: Uh, this is what Nelson said. Well, I soon found out this young man wouldn't listen to anything I had to say. He just wanted me to watch him hit balls and he wouldn't change anything or take any of my suggestions seriously. And, you know, eventually, you know, his dad kind of whipped him in line. He goes, you're wasting your father's, you're wasting my time and your father's money. The dad intervened and the truce truce was reached. He started to, you know, listen to his advice a little more. Um. But he did work, like he busted his ass. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, whether he didn't listen to Nelson initially or not, like this theme throughout his career was he, he was a range rat. he was grinding, he was working.
0: Lifting at weights. Something.
1: Yeah, well, besides, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's one interesting, like, one theme throughout uh, reading is like he was characterized as like only Hogan worked harder. And Hogan, of course, that's and the Stran- legend of Hogan.
0: And would say he worked harder than Hogan. Yeah, Stranahan,
1: quote, more. I worked way more than Hogan. Um, so we'd always pester Nelson to play him, right? Like, come out and play me at Inverness. And Nelson's just like, I'm not like, Nelson's a freaking Hall of Famer at this point. You know, I'm not playing you. I don't have, there's nothing to gain. Like, I'm just going to stay in the shop. And Frank finally, like, worked him, worked his way up. And this was after he'd won, like, the Ohio Amateur and, and some other worthwhile amateur events. And he would always back him down. And Frank, Frankie Jr., he goes, your refusal, he applied his refusal, was based more on a fear of losing than on the need to inventory sweaters. <laughs> and he, so this finally, Nelson, obviously, like, this distinguished gentleman, always equanimity you know, fully calm and cool. He finally hit, hit Nelson's hot button. He goes... Okay, Frankie, I'll play you. Not only will I play you, but I'll throw in your two buddies, two friends, accomplished, uh, you know, good players. I'll throw in your two buddies and play all three of you right now best ball. So Nelson, Masters U.S. Open champion, shot a course record 63 and beat the rich kids, and Frankie never bothered me again, according to Nelson. Kind of great. Like, finally, this young punk gets draws Nelson out of the shop, Plays Stranahan, who's already an accomplished amateur, and his two friends best ball shoots course record and shuts him up. Yeah, kind of a great story. Great story. Uh, also, like with with he credited Inverness, he's like the greens were small when he played with the equipment. Um, I don't know if that's accurate or or uh, he he just felt like. With the old equipment and the small greens, smallish greens, according to... Is that the case? It's not the case necessarily anymore, right? They have right? some
0: small greens. They have some bigger ones. Obviously, every green shrunk after when World War II when they stopped maintaining greens. Because right. like, you know, they had to cut costs at all these clubs and greens shrunk naturally then.
1: This was Stranahan's quote. He told the Toledo Blade there were very small greens and with the balls and clubs we played. Inverness was a great test of golf. It rounded your game. So you could do almost anything.
0: I mean, that's obvious. Um, Inverness is one of the great championship courses in American golf. So it's a right, great place to grow right. up playing if you want to be, you know. Right. So and, <laughs> right. and and obviously, you know, he the money and everything. He he was, you know, he had a great golf course. Uh, un- an unlimited amount of funds and a great work ethic, which was a big thing. Did you um, did you see why he he got so obsessed with lifting weights at a young age?
1: Uh, with the football. Yeah, Are you talking about the high school football. Yeah.
0: So this is from the New York Times obituary. Um, yeah. His his high school football coach told him he was too small, and he at the time he weighed about 140 pounds, and uh, we have a lot of burly kids. And this is recalled by his uh, son Lance. Uh, uh-huh. uh, he said his father enrolled in the popular Charles Atlas fitness course, ate lots of steak, and got to 170 his... pounds and made the team. Sounds a lot like Bryson. I wonder if he had his own cow.
1: Well, he ate lots of steak, like Bryson. Did he have his own? Did he have his own cow that he purchased with his dad's money? So I think he went from 140 to 170 to play high school football in Toledo.
0: And this launched his fitness like obsession and i think we could talk about this for a little while and and kind of get all the the fitness stories out of the way um okay gary player called him my fitness mentor friend and inspiration
1: yep credit (laughs) yeah credits player credits him with like sort of getting him into fitness Um,
0: stranahan (laughs) celebrated his 78th birthday By deadlifting 265 pounds. Imagine if Instagram was around then. (laughs) I mean, the point
1: was, he wasn't just some meathead on Instagram. Like, he was a world class bodybuilder. Like, he won competitions. Um, He was ranked number one in his weight class in powerlifting from 45 to 54. So, this was also like concurrent with his rise in amateur golf. Like, he was also. This world-class, you know, maybe it wasn't as competitive powerlifting then. It was maybe a niche thing. I don't know. But he was like a world-class
0: powerlifter. He, so so he traveled. So you'd spend like 45 weeks a year on the road playing golf tournaments. Right. And he traveled right. with an Olympic weightlifting set in his suitcases
1: full thing like the full set barbells <laughs> bench press all this shit yeah.
0: and it, a running gag and this is in like almost any article you read about frank stranahan anything will bring this up yeah a running gag would be he would be like take humor and and uh joy and when he got to a hotel watching the the bellboys try and attempt to carry his suitcases to his room
1: right Right, so they would he would put it all in his suitcase. They'd stumble around, fall down the steps, often at the bon air at the in Augusta for the masters. That's like a common theme, and that that was he's always on the road with his full set of barbells, and like this persisted into this century. We're not just talking about like 1945. It persisted, like you talked about. He was just kind of obsessed. Health nut, bodybuilder.
0: Can I read uh, what John Garrity in 1998 sure. SI article? So yep. this this came yep. out after Clifford Roberts' death, which we'll get into later. But uh-huh. you know, it's a it's a good profile. I Recommend reading uh, if you're more interested in all the color. But uh, this kind of goes into uh, Stranahan's, you know, continued obsession with with right. health and uh, bodybuilding, everything. Garrity says he leads a vampire-like existence, getting up at 3 a.m. to lift, often running five or six miles before daybreak. He's a former marathoner and working out under artificial light at a commercial gym. One old friend claims that Stranahan's vegetarianism is not absolute. I've seen him eat uh, half a beef roast, she says, but allows that uh, that Stranahan binges are offset. By his ten-day fast, which leave him weak and amas- emaciated, emaciated. It, it it would scare you to death if you ever caught him on the ninth day of a ten-day fast. I mean, these fasts, he would only drink water, like alkaline water, water. M- mineral water, <laughs> purified
1: water, it's something like he just he thought it like cleaned his body. Ten-day fast. And then wasn't there like a one day fast each week yes. where he took like an entire day <laughs> off in addition to these like periodic ten day just cold turkey. So
0: and with all this, he insisted that he was going to live till one twenty. Oh, do you have some
1: real Bryson anecdote? Oh yeah, he thought he'd be one twenty or one thirty. The the funny thing, not, not funny, but the great part of the New York Times obit in the lead, it's like, it's like Frank Stranahan. What did it say? Frank Strannan passed away on Sunday, West Palm Beach. He was 90, falling some 30, y- <laughs> 30 years short of his goal for longevity. That's the first paragraph of his obituary in the New York Times. He was 90, falling. I mean, he repeatedly said, I'm going to make it to 120. I am going to be 120 years old. Like Bryson, who says, you know, I think it will be, e-, this is his quote, 1999, I think it will be very easy for me to make 120. Similar to what we saw from bryson and G- gq this year uh but the, like the weightlifting stuff the the health nut where he's like eating half a dozen eggs he went from eating steak to pure vegetarianism but maybe not because he needed half a row like the whole diet it should be noted you know he like in the end it was there's a lot of personal tragedy right he lost his dad died early from cancer. His wife died from cancer. He had a son die from cancer. Son died from overdose, a drug or over- like a lot of personal tragedy around around his. And he, at the end, you're talking about Garrity going to him 1998, like when he was older, he was kind of living by himself in Florida. Hated to go outside, which is odd. He lived in Florida. Of he's the like sun. Yeah, the the which is you know interesting for someone who chooses to live in South Florida. And he was pasty white. He was scared of the Florida sun more or less hitting his skin. Uh, just a health nut, really, all the way to the end, but he did not make it to 120.
0: And and he was routinely much, you know, this is another parallel to Bryson. He was, you know, he was uh, made fun of by his fellow uh, golfers. They called his yeah. diet like a yep. canary diet, and, uh, you know, it would make yep. fun of him for lifting weights. You know, obviously, he was not the guy that was drinking uh, at, at the bar after after rounds, Um and he claimed he never had a cigarette
1: a cough cup of coffee or a drop of alcohol in his life is what he claimed I don't so, know how... he also hated milk yeah did you see that yes. so he, he did, that's a breakup with the Bryson mold there he's like milk is like horrible for you it was not a big fan of milk
0: yeah so. he he thought it was just ridiculous they were putting these world-class athletes on on these milk commercials and and then it fueled his. he was like they'll die early <laughs>
1: And it just at the end you know uh, he's just living in Florida with like nothing there right it's like it's like a weight rack and like a couch and that was it so um, do you want right. to get
0: into some uh, some of the controversies
1: we can do that we can do that um what do you want to start with
0: sure I'll, I'll start with the 46 uh, British Am.
1: oh okay the British Am.
0: <laughs> all right, um so <laughs> In a, in a match he lost, and this is from Herbert Warren Wind, an SI article, uh, when he turned mm-hmm. pro. It kind of runs down some of the notable tr- controversies. In the f- 46 British AM, in a match he eventually lost to Gary Micklem, 4-3. and three. He fired his caddy on the six hole for giving him the wrong line to the pin. Some of the on-spot observers said it was the wrong line and that the caddy had made earlier er- errors, but regardless, you don't send your caddy in. So then the next I, year.
1: He accused him of, like, he said he purposely gave him the wrong line. <laughs> <laughs> purposely gave him the wrong line. So go ahead. Uh, the next year, this is Carnoustie. Yeah, I this think, is the next right? year, at
0: Carnoustie. Uh, Frank did an even more foolish thing. On the first hole it is his match against George Morgan, Morgan holed a short par putt. Sorry, I just lost my spot. Um, but, uh, where is it? Man. Uh, he holed a short par putt for four and then conceded Frank his four by tapping his gimme putt into the hole, whereupon Frank graciously claimed the hole on the grounds that he had only played three shots.
1: Three strokes. That's unbelievable. Imagine that in the Twitter era, where you know your opponent kind of <laughs> concedes the putt, hits it himself, and then claims, "Well, I only played three shots. I won the hole." Claiming just outright claimed to winning the hole. So, um, that that's that would be a controversy nowadays. It was a controversy then? I guess too.
0: So, what are the reasons that he turned professional? is insisted on this Walker. He didn't get selected at the 53 Walker cup team. And he, because right. he had pissed the USGA off. Um, and in right. the reason he turned pro after the 54 am was because he knew that the only way he was going to make the 55 Walker cup team was winning the amateur. So um, what happened in 53 was <laughs> he practiced after one of his rounds in a, in a national amateur. Um, sorry, my, Google Docs keeps freaking out, uh, on not on the practice fairway, but on the first tee and persisted to after the club for, uh, had told them not to do that. So he kept hitting the off the first tee, uh, you know, to practice. And, uh, you know that for these and similar exhibitions in which he had conducted himself as if there were one rule for Stranahan and one rule for other, other people. Frank was not selected for the 53 Walker cup team. So the USA amateur,
1: he just sets himself apart and goes to the first tee. He's like, I'm not using the range. So he makes the Walker cup team 47, 49, 51. They're all winners. He gets the, he gets snubbed, maybe 53, because he just decided he's going to use the first he hit balls out there, the 53 amateur. So then he thinks he's going to make the 55. He's going to make it again, right? Yeah. By winning the amateur when he gets bounced by Arnold, Arnold Palmer Palm, around to 16, Oakland Hills. I think it was Oakland Hills, Detroit. Oh, uh, it was Country Club uh, in Detroit. Country Club of Detroit. Okay. Uh, and so that's why he turns pro at 32 after, you know, arguably or claimed to be the greatest amateur between Jones and, and Tiger. So,
0: Should we get into uh, the Masters, why we're talking about yeah. him? Yeah. So the
1: Masters, he's runner-up in 1947, runner-up to Byron Nelson, his teacher in Toledo, and Jimmy Demerit, three-time winner uh, of the Masters. I think three times. Is that accurate? Yeah. I believe so. Uh-huh, three times. Uh, he says so he wasn't great- really
0: that – he wasn't close.
1: He claims, yeah, he, he's like, you know, it, it's this uh, this dream, right? That an amateur player in the mold of Jones or in the legacy of Jones would win the Masters. And he's one of just uh, a couple, you know, one of the people have come closest. Uh, Venturi, also a runner up, but Stranahan was a runner up. But he claims, you know, it wasn't really close. Uh, interesting. That was when the tee times were sort of all jumbled, yeah. so Demerit won it. Uh, but then, like Nelson went out a half hour after Demerit, even though Demerit had the lead, and and then Stranham was an hour half hour after that. He he gets this runner up, and it's kind of hailed now as like, oh, it was an amateur close to winning the Masters. He claims, you know, it, it wasn't really that much. He's like, I shot sixty eight or something in the final round and made it look close. Um, go ahead. Can Dem- you say something? No,
0: no. That so. It- in this Masters, the the controversy starts because of a, you know, once again, some of his practice routine practice routines. So they had this one
1: ball rule where you could only hit one approach shot right and in practice rounds into into Augusta National greens, right? You could put um, you could
0: put as many as you wanted chip and, and chip and putt, yep. but you can't hit Around more than one ball into the greens.
1: Right. Right. So forty-seven he allegedly was ran afoul of this rule, right? And nineteen forty-eight, he comes back as the runner up of the Masters, and he gets his invitation pulled for the week of he gets his invitation pulled for this big run in, allegedly breaking this rule, hitting more than one ball, more than one approach shot into these greens. And there's, he claims it was like a controversy from the start. And well, he he was, yeah, it
0: was, it it was a coup. They were out to get him.
1: (laughs) He claims Augusta National was out to get him. Others do too. He quote, quote, he goes, as soon as I got there, club pro, he pulls in, club pro Ed Dudley, the head pro at Augusta National, told me I was going to be thrown off the property this week. This is, this is Stranahan's uh, account. Dudley told me I was going to be throwing off the property this week, and the pro warned him against hitting a second ball to the green during his practice rounds. Frank had violated the rule the previous year. So this is his practice round. He tees off, accompanied by his caddy, but unwelcome accompany appeared twice during the first few holes. So they're on him right away. (laughs) First practice round, claims according to Stranahan. On him right away. Uh, Course superintendent, Marion Luke came out to remind him about hitting just one ball. That's a regulation. And then came out again, a second conversation, and it got really nasty. According to Stranahan. According to Stranahan. The superintendent accused Frank of violating the rule, and then he said all he'd done was drop several extra balls to practice his putting. And they called each other sons of bitches, and Luke stormed off. Superintendent Luke stormed off to tell Mister Roberts about it. Apparently, in addition to sons of bitches, this is from David Owen's book. Uh, you know, Stranahan apologizes, and in the letter, here's what Stranahan characterized. It. I would like to apologize to Mister Luke for talking back, as I certainly know better. However, I did not feel he I did not feel he could have my invitation revoked because of a few heated words, or that he could call me quote a fresh bastard. So, uh, <laughs> superintendent calling the runner-up a fresh bastard. Frankie calling the superintendent a son of a bitch. You know, this is like two holes into his practice round after a year after runner-up. And, uh, you know, the heated words, the one ball allegation, hitting more than one ball is off and running.
0: So, he they, they could, Stranahan continues his practice round, and he's walking up the hill on eight.
1: I love this, the image of this, like cresting <laughs> up over the hill and there's just Roberts or the membership just waiting for him as he comes up <laughs> to the eighth green. And they say, your membership's gone. Boom. 14. Your invitation has been withdrawn. Quote, your invitation has been withdrawn. Please leave the golf course. Now, I mean, this is the Masters. It's the guy finished runner-up <laughs> last year. <laughs> I've tried to think about this in modern times. They just pulled, you know, the rules are rules. And if you violate the rule, maybe you violate, I don't know. Just the controversy surrounding pulling an invitation. And, you know, the Masters is one of these events where it is like an invitation only. Of course, there are qualification criteria, but in the end of the day, you still got to get the invitation. And if this happened, you know, the modern uproar, just the circumstances around it would be incredible. Um, so I think like, Go ahead.
0: No, no, go, go for
1: it. I mean, I just, I'm just trying to apply some sort of modern conceptualization to this. Like,
0: I mean, like, they could, in
1: theory, do this
0: now. Could it they be, could, could it be right? like the only thing I can think of that would is like when the NBA suspended Draymond Green, it actually went through it and suspended Draymond Green and tr- changed the course of the finals. Like, oh but, bullshit! But, You're trying I mean, to delegitimize well, the i just, I'm just saying, like, but like that was actually well founded. This. Was like that'd be like if they just said like you know what LeBron you can't play,
1: right? Right, it, it, and it
0: just seems like the, there's no real clear account, right?
1: That he was del- he absolutely did break the rule or no? I mean, we have Stranahan's words, and he seems you know they were out to get him from the moment he drove onto the property.
0: Um, well, Robert, and why was there no ahead. clear account? This is you know, I I just again
1: augusta still reserves this right technically i'm trying to think like who they could like could they tell Bryson like we don't like the way you're hitting it or how far you're hitting it on on one you're out of course that's never gonna happen i'm just trying to there is no parallel to maybe i you know we've heard maybe maybe there's someone they've d- debated about uh, i don't think it would ever come to fruition no. a recent well you know someone maybe they they they've they've t- They've talked about it, um, perhaps pulling an invitation. But it, this is the uniqueness of the Masters. It is an invitation only tournament, and they can really just pull it on one thing not, that jumps to
0: mind is um, like the stuff that Sifford and Rhodes went through as black golfers trying to play on the PGA Tour, where they'd be allowed by, you know, uh, local law to play in some tournaments and not allowed in other tournaments like where right I, I think it was Rhodes finished t4 at a tournament and then couldn't play the next week because of local you know uh segregation laws right right so yeah there, there, yeah
1: the potential potential for this to happen again is very slim but i would say like i think they still do maybe have discussions about invitations based on um criteria or personalities outside of the black and white qualification standards is all i'll say um so all right so they pull his they pull please leave the golf course
0: so it, you know stranahan is befuddled he doesn't know what to do he's confused yep. so he calls his dad and he calls uh tommy armor, tommy armor. the silver scott yeah. So and uh, they say to go see Jones. He's the greatest sportsman of his era, and they they were certain he'd listen to my side. And, uh, and Jones like just is MIA, doesn't make himself available to talk. And
1: uh, so I think this was the first year Jones did not play. He stopped playing, I believe. Don't quote me on that. I think forty eight. So he wasn't necessarily there, or he wouldn't see he wouldn't see
0: Stranahan. Um. So. You know, what does Frank do? He, he can't come on the ground. So he's been asked to leave. He, he just buys a common ticket
1: for That's two unbelievable.
0: Days. He, he buys a ticket and hangs out. He had an invitation. He's playing in the Masters a couple of days finished ago. And second, now finished second the year before, and now it's just hanging out with the patrons, <laughs> waiting for Jones. Um, So he he's apparently, allegedly, was... Nothing. And there are counts of this after you know years later that one of the greatest attributes and one of the greatest legacies of Frank Stranahan was how well he conducted himself those days as he, when he just sat and waited and he was nothing but a gentleman. Um, right. And and he waited allegedly. Allegedly. So he waited yep. for Jones to talk, and you know finally Jones talks to him and just says. I can't do anything Cl- that cliff runs the tournament
1: cliff runs the tournament quote cliff runs the tournament of course you know as an amateur he was hoping for Jones to kind of uh, come to his defense that that's like the big subject of these intervening days right imagine like these practice round days at majors like we just go hunting for controversy the fescue's too high at Aaron Hills. like you just sort of like I mean, we get worked up about very minute things, but imagine these two, three, four days—not four, but you know, two or three days—where has Jones seen Stranahan? Has no Cliff? What's Clifford Roberts doing? Just—I mean, the reporting and detail and, and discussion around it would be
0: uh, incredible. Well, there um, was no discussion around it at all, right? And why? Right. That, so, so this is the, the, how was this even allowed to happen? Because like today, this would never happen, right? But what, yep. what happened was this was, you know, Clifford Roberts' greatest feat of building the Masters was how he was able to control the message and put his thumb on the scale. And, and uh, you know, obviously his alliances with the sports writers was a big part yeah. of it, where he understood uh, the value of the AP writers, the, the guys that wrote, you know, uh, for 200 local newspapers. I-
1: had the biggest distribution, so to speak. Uh, alleged. This is Kurt Sampson's book. Allegedly, Roberts invited all the newspaper men to his suite and kind of put his thumb on the scale. Please downplay the coverage of us pulling this invitation. Week of, uh, Many writers did soft sell the story, uh, according to Sampson. This was a testament to Cliff's clout and manipul- manipulative skill. Some headlines, you know, headline writers far away for who weren't like there under the thumb of Roberts, you know, Made it like politics prevail as stars await start of masters, um, and but
0: Jones just let Cliff Cliff do his thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other so that that w- the other thing was ahead. the other people, other bodies of golf that might back uh, Stranahan, and this is from Samson's right. book. Also, is so the PGA might have been expected to back Stranahan, except that Frank was an amateur and thus not a member. Uh, also, the PGA president. Ed Dudley was the guy that warned him before he went out. He was the head pro at Augusta right. National. Right. So, right. you know, he wasn't going to cross Cliff. He even lost his job. <laughs> um, and then the USGA sh- might have raised a hand in protest, but in uh, Frank belonged there. But the president of the USGA, Fielding Wallace, also belonged to Augusta National. Right. So that, right. So they, they, so that left they talked about, just the Western Am as the only, you know, unconflicted party. And uh, it, it's none of my business. I don't know who is right, uh, said Maynard Scotty Fessenden, the president of the Western Golf Association.
1: So he doesn't have the players come to his defense necessarily. He doesn't have, you know, like a Hogan or a Nelson. Obviously, Jones def- defers to Clifford Roberts. He doesn't have these organizations come to his defense. He's just sitting there waiting as a fan to get back a runner up, to get back in the tournament.
0: Did you, the the quote from the, the second quote from uh, the WGA guy, the incident yeah. will probably do Frankie a lot of good. It never hurts to have anyone to have their, uh, his ears pinned back once in a while. So they talk about him
1: as if like he was this rich kid and he was a spoiled rich kid. And you know, he's this, Beefy, you know, kind of bodybuilder type. And they think that's why none of the players necessarily came to his defense. And uh, there was some contradiction to that. There's all these conflicting stories. Nelson says like, no, Frank was like a good kid. There wasn't a lot of resentment. The only thing we sort of resented was like, if I could play, you know, without having to worry about making money, you know, of course we all would have done that. Um, so why did he get his invitation pulled, and why you know Robert sort of snuffs it out? There's
0: there's a backstory. Why why did he arrive? He finished runner up. Uh, you know, obviously he broke the rules the year before, but this is a small thing that most people would o- overlook. They might you might get a slap on the wrist. You know why why, why did they have it? You know why did it, Roberts have it out for Stranahan?
1: The rumor, and this is Sampson's book again. The rumor, <laughs> Kurt Sampson, is that. Frankie Stranahan, who was, you know, a bodybuilder, a ladies' man. Apparently, like, ladies were always pressing their number into his, his pockets, you know, giving them his number, her, their number, I should say. Like, he was allegedly very popular with women. The rumor is that um, Frank had dated a blonde, quote, who was palsy with a club member. And, you know, the rumor was that that blonde was... You know, also a, a love interest of Clifford Roberts and, and Roberts, secretary at the club, the The secretary at the club. So, I mean, this is rumors within a rumor. Samson gives it, puts it in print. Um, Stranahan, co- quote, I don't want to go into that. Not a denial, <laughs> not a confirmation, this, but this I don't want to ga- go into this that. This isn't
0: Garrity's SI piece. So Garrity, after Roberts dies, Garrity goes and talks to Stranahan. I will
1: say David Owen, David Owen's book is repeatedly critical of Samson's research, not just on Stranahan, but I've never seen like I I, rare to see an author rip another author's work. But David Owen's book, which has a lot is thoroughly researched on Robert's letters and life, uh, constantly says Samson's book is full of like incorrect history, baseless statements and stuff. He says, you know, there's no real evidence of this sort of love triangle, potential love triangle, um, but this is the story. And, and Stranahan says, I don't want to go into it. So what's in the what's in the Garrity article? So
0: he also says, so I I don't want to go into that. To me, he uh, to me he says, I've heard a lot of stories, but I'm not going to tell you those.
1: Oh God, I didn't. All right. So he says that. So he that he says. I should clarify, Stranahan talked to Samson himself, and now he's talked to Garrett himself as well. Both in the same year, ended 1998, I believe. And doesn't doesn't deny the story, doesn't confirm it, of course. A
0: female acquaintance of Stranahan's told me that she found the story of the blonde plausible. In those days, she said with a laugh, Frank would grab everything but the third rail. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) not going to
1: get away with that this these days um so or should have should have gotten away with it then i should
0: clarify so that upon (laughs) stranahan's distaste for for roberts knows no end
1: yeah yep Um,
0: Yep. upon you know garrity asking about stranahan committing suicide obviously on the par three course shooting himself in the head Stranahan says, "I wish I'd been there when he committed suicide. I would have rolled the son of a bitch into the water.
1: Don't hear too many quotes about Clifford Roberts like that from people who have participated in the masters. Uh, but that is a hell of a quote. I would have rolled the son of a bitch into the water after he shot himself in the head. Um, so apparently that that does does you know, tension lasted. Well after his death, uh, River Roberts' death, Stranahan didn't have anything nice to say to him. Um, now, so what is evidence against this affair story? Or what is evidence against like Augusta National having it out for Stranahan? This this is a remarkable, just pulling your someone's invitation on what seems like at least contradictory or conflicted evidence that's it, not clear that he was hitting multiple balls. I think it's clear that they didn't like him. They thought he was a spoiled brat um evidence against that was he was invited back yes. to subsequent like 11 masters um he also claims roberts picked him in one of the Calcutta yes. towards the end like had backed stranahan one of the ca- he never played well really in the masters again he played in 11 more i believe um but but sort of the he also i should mention he referred to augusta national members as high hats um, he called them high hats. Like he, there, this was a real sort of, uh, tense relationship throughout, but he did get 11 more, uh, 11 or 12 more invitations after the one was pulled in 48 as runner up. Um, it kind of persisted though. Owen's book talks about how he and Jones went back and forth yeah. in a right letter writing, uh, Go ahead. So he,
0: he said after after Jones said, you know, Cliff runs the term he's like, I never thought of the man well after that. Like it basically, Bobby. yeah, Bobby Jones basically yeah. ruined his his um, thoughts on what kind of a person Bobby Jones was. So, so like the, the conflict
1: like kept going. I mean, we're talking 1956. So this is eight years after the practice round expulsion. It was severe enough, their relationship was severe enough that Jones felt compelled to write a man-to-man letter to Stranahan's father. I mean, I mean, Frankie Jr. is like in his 30s. He's writing, and Bobby Jones is writing the guy dad letter saying, you know, we need to talk. Frank is a very fine golfer. I like him personally, but he needs to be straightened out on a few aspects of his behavior at the Masters Tournament. I would very much hope that a little talk between you and me might have this effect Well, it would be... Possible? Would it be possible to have this sort of conversation? I prefer it in person, and so he sends us to the spark plug game of Toledo, um, and Frankie Junior replies to Bobby Jones to Robert, and he he addresses him, dear Robert, which I guess like it should be Mister Jones, and was not that that was an issue, and Frank Junior his letter like tries to be humble, tries to be. You know, I, I'm sorry. I will try to be do whatever I can to add to the Masters. Again, this is eight years after the practice round expulsion. He's kept playing. He got invitations. And his language in the letter is not suitable to Jones and really pisses him off. Jones writes back, like, don't talk like that to me. More or less, I'm paraphrasing, of course. He uses very fine language. Like, that. the language of that. your Frank Jr.'s response is not acceptable. Frank gets back to him, now addresses him as, dear Mr. Jones – And they finally sorted it out with a few more tense letters. So it wasn't just Roberts that had an issue with Stranahan. There was, you know, years after that practice round expulsion, Bobby Jones, you know, wasn't a fan.
0: And they talk about that. I think, but I think that stems from Stranahan, the way he treated Stranahan when he, you know, because I think he he had nothing but respect for Jones beforehand. Put him on ice. He essentially was, you know, Jones's, you know, um, not predecessor, his uh, f- following in Jones footsteps of being a career amateur, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, it did get sorted out when they went back and forth and they did finally give him his 11th master's invitation to 56. He played till 59, even after he turned pro. I mean, he played well after he turned pro. So, um, it's kind of quite a, Tangled history, right? It's unbelievable to think about with the practice round expulsion. He was a runner-up, um, never really contended though. After the whole drama on 1948, he never made the tournament. Didn't get play 48. Didn't get to, you know, get, get a shot after runner-up. So, um all right, where do you want to go next? Roll the son of a bitch into the water is a quote that will sort of probably not be celebrated at Augusta, but is one of uh, worth mentioning, so
0: so yeah. I mean, obviously, I think when you look at him and kind of uh, is like he turns pro, and I think that one of the things it damages his legacy a little bit. You know, he.
1: I would agree. I would agree. It really seems like it was triggered by that loss to Palmer, though, right? And the well, I think and it's he because he, was he wasn't going to make the Walker, Walker the
0: Walker Cup team, and he figured he probably he, – he had a, kind of a tortured history, and the amateur had worn on him that he hadn't won it yet. And, he, you know, he, he talked about how it really was the toughest tournament to win because of the match play uh, component, how, you know, it just comes down to all these individual matches where anything can happen. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, – that was a big part but he turns pro and he you know he has success as a pro but he's he he never was the darling am, lifelong amateur that was kind of like the storybook store a storybook uh, tale for journalists uh once he turned pro right
1: right well he had all those well, oh sure yes yes and that's what like that was Herbert Wins, like kind of lament in his 1954 essay, you know, he actually thought, you know, turning pro uh, would be quite disadvantageous to Frank. He would no longer be able to compete in amateur events. And despite his father's sanguine statement that he thinks Frank will be one of the best professionals in the country, it is doubtful that he has the ability ability to be more than just another pro. And he kind of was that after you know he, he's, like you said not the darling i love um, i love
0: this line from that uh, herbert warren wind uh, art, uh, article if i'm uh, if i'm the one hand not making a nickel from his skill he was the purest of amateurs frank least fitted the amateur's traditional role of the man who plays the game as an avocation it is hard to see any benefits that will accrue him as a pro. He regularly competed against the pro pack in open tournaments. And as a son of a multimillionaire, he needs prize money like Iceland needs ice.
1: I saw that. That's great. Uh, I, and so we end, like, let's talk a little bit of a po- positive. Let's flip to wind. I, I loved, you know, you didn't think it was a good move turning pro. But he did say, first, you cannot fault him on courage. He won his first big event, as we talk about being a stroke from Ben Hogan. He was paired on the last day with Hogan, a man who does not like to finish second. In 47, British Open at Hoylake, needed two on the last hole. This is, we never talked oh, about yeah. this. Oh, yeah. I've but seen,
0: it, like, three different stories about this shot.
1: It does, yeah, there's a lot of, so 47, British Open. He had just done runner-up. He'd been runner-up at the Masters. Now he's at the British Open. He needed two on the last hole. He allegedly walked it off from 110 yards and it, it twice. fell just a few inches. Twice. Inch, twice. <laughs> Walked it off. Would have been driving, would have triggered Andy at home doing it on the stopwatch. Walking it off from 110 yards. His shot finished like two inches or a couple inches. It's, it varies, I, I, but yeah. inches shy of the cup.
0: Some people say an inch short, couple inches short. Yeah. i read one that said it lift out.
1: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so he would have held out to go to a playoff with Fred Daly just, you know, a couple of months after runner up at. The Masters, he's runner-up at the Open with the chance, you know, as an amateur to win it. Uh, 53, he was finished tie for second. And this is wind again. Moreover, and more to the point, most people around golf find Frank a hard guy not to like. He is fundamentally a warm person. He goes all the way for his friends. His rivals consider him a fine sportsman. One final thing, only Hogan has worked hard to develop a champion's game. In the first and last analysis, Frank has always thought of his golf as justifying his existence. He is sincere when he explains, as he did on the eve of turning professional, that he felt he had an unfair advantage over others who could not play or practice daily as he could. So he acknowledges his wealth. like He may be a little bit of a spoiled brat, but he acknowledges, like, my dad's money allows me to just like be a real professional amateur, so to speak um beyond this there is no doubt that his ambition as a pro is to prove himself and the world that he is capable of earning a living with his own hands he won the la open as a pro he
0: you know he finished, had other I think he finished 12th on the money list that year
1: right right so he, he had some success as a pro but you know he retires early he retires from golf starts running 102 marathons he runs his own investment firm continues the bodybuilding work and the weightlifting work he's like a real complete character complete character the ladies man the weightlifting the barbells like it continues like to his death he thinks he's gonna be 120 years old Yeah. And he's 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 doing these, like in speedos like when when he's you know in his seventies like he's a complete character.
0: And he uh, in in the in the seventies, according to Garrity, there's a, a newspaper quote where he called golf golf is a waste of time.
1: Right, right. So he 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 turns pro, <laughs> retires, does the investment firm. He went to Wharton, I believe. Yeah. After like he he had a lot of different lives, a lot of lives, but. The primary thing is that runner-up at the Masters as an amateur, and then the year after being expelled during a practice round. Got anything else? What's your legacy discussion? Your legacy? I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame. He
0: isn't. He's
1: not. A lot of people have been chirping. I was like, he's got to be in the Hall of Fame. He has to be. be. I don't think you could tell the story of golf without the greatest amateur, quote, allegedly the greatest amateur between jones and tiger
0: yeah he i mean right like that's what i'm saying And he went in like at his time if you consider he won two majors when they were considered majors obviously folks down in ponte Vedra are never going to admit that but you know they're they're given you know people players championships as majors from 1984 when you know it was a brand new tournament but you know the british right. am he, he won he won two british Amps and four western Amps like
1: right he finished right.
0: finished runner up in three 70 actual what actual events? major right. championship 70 yeah that it's the world it's not the world golf it's not the world professional golf hall of fame it's the world golf hall of fame and this guy has to be in it
1: i agree i agree i, I think like
0: it's actually like one of the yeah. biggest farces on the whole hall of fame that he's not in it
1: Right. I, I think it's hard to tell this. Like, granted, you know, it's hard to tell the story of golf without discussing Stranian. I mean, he, he was a contemporary of Nelson Hogan. He he did not win as much as them. He took a different career path, of course. He didn't win major. Um, he won, you know, amateurs when they were considered majors. But I, I think it's hard that to not to exclude him from the World Golf Hall of Fame. He
0: was the best amateur in the world at a time, at a time in golf where amateur golf and pro golf were on the same level.
1: Right, right. So, so uh, sort of a sad story. I mean, in the end, he lost a lot of personal tragedy, he lost family members, his wife to cancer, lost money. Uh, had, like the, the family fortune dwindled the quite stock a bit. Crash he wasn't got killed. Right, right, right. So, uh, again, so I thought it was an appropriate master, certainly with the, the weightlifting element, living to 120 years mm-hmm. old, uh, maybe sort of the iconoclast or, or uh, maybe not the most popular guy in the locker room like a Bryson but uh, felt that it was a good spotlight Frank Stranahan and thanks to Rucket for sponsoring it again it's rucket.com slash shotgun start we'll be back next week with the full week of Masters content Masters podcast <laughs>